0: We all deal with conflict. Bitterness and love can't live together in a marriage. You're in a huge argument, you're yelling, you're, you're saying everything you can think of, you're, you're jabbing with your words, you're livid, your veins are popping out, and your phone rings. Hello, how are you? That is the desire of our hearts that this morning, our greatest need is not just to hear the opinions of somebody, but ultimately to hear from you. So I pray that you would speak to us in this moment. I pray you would do in our lives again what only you can do. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we are talking again about marriage. We began this series, Relationship Rehab, a couple of weeks ago. We've talked about dating. We talked about marriage last week. We're talking about marriage today and next week. Then when we come back after the community weekend, we're gonna be talking about parenting. We're gonna be talking about friendships because relationships affect so many areas of our lives. We were built and wired for relationships, for a relationship with God and for relationships with each other. But there's one thing that, that can really interfere, can interrupt, and can blow up relationships. Now, this morning, I'm going to be talking in the context of marriage, but it's really true in any and every relationship, and that is conflict. We all deal with conflict. And there are things, if you're married, that in your marriage, there are those those topics that you argue about and that when they come up, when that certain thing comes up, it creates a tense moment. It's always an argument. It's always a struggle. There's always tension. And you deal with that from time to time. And a lot of people think, man, marriage is in because of the big stuff. No, more often than not, it's the little stuff. It's the conflicts that happen over and over and over again, that create a negative atmosphere in the home where mom and dad feel it, the kids feel it, there's just a tension there and it becomes the conflict that deteriorates the relationship. And the problem is when there's conflict and there's anger and it's sustained in a relationship, And we keep that inside us. And every time those topics come up, we we feel it coming up inside us. And we, we have those arguments and we exchange those words. Bitterness can set in. I've watched conflict change people. I've seen people that as they walk through life, and yes, admittedly, some unfair things happen. Admittedly, some difficult challenges were faced. But yet how they processed it and how they held on to and almost sometimes ran to conflict created a bitterness and a resentment and an anger. And conflict can change you if you let the bitterness set in. And I think as a married couple, one of the important things to remember is that bitterness and love can't live together in a marriage. Each day you and your spouse must decide which one gets to stay. You get to decide, bitterness or love. And you might say, well, man, I just, there's so much conflict. It's it's happening all the time. I'm just not sure we can deal with that. Oh, you can. You have everything you need to do what we're going to talk about this morning. You you already have all the tools. I can prove it to you. You go out to dinner with another couple. Y'all are having dinner, and one of the people, the, the husband or the wife, the other couple, knocks over a drink and spills it on your brand new outfit that you bought to go to dinner that night. You don't stand up, flip the table, and say, Why are you such an idiot? I just bought this today. You don't do that. You know what you do? It's fine. It's fine. So this little thing is fine. Now inside, you're cussing. And by the way, if you think it, you might as well say it. You're going to get charged for it anyway. But, but inside, you're dying a thousand deaths. But on the outside, you, you know how to navigate conflict in relationships. You know how to do that. Years ago, Angie and I were visiting some friends in Kentucky, and Kaylee was little bitty, our oldest, and we'd gotten there and they just bought brand new furniture. They they had a white couch, and Kaylee spilled her juice on the white couch. <laughs> and this couple. The guy was like, "It's, it's totally fine. We'll get us." But I see like little beads of sweat coming out on his lip and his forehead. <laughs> I mean, I could imagine what he was feeling. No, we know how to deal with conflict when it comes to other people. We're used to that. So, shouldn't we show the same kindness and common courtesy to our spouses that we show to others? We know how to do it with others, but when it comes to the person we're married to. We leave kind at the door. I think part of the reason is in our culture when it comes to marriage, it's a pursuit of falling in love. Everybody wants to fall in love. And we want to fall in love because we want to find the right person and the right person will make us happy. And so we're trying to fall in love. But let me just ask you a question falling in love, when you fall, what do you do? You hit the bottom. If I were to fall off this platform, which I have done before, if I were to fall off this platform and hit the floor, you know what happens the moment I fall? When I hit that floor, all of my momentum stops. Falling is a destination. It's not a life. And the same thing happens in marriage. We fall in love and say, I do, and then we're done. You've heard people say, you're married. You don't have to work out. You're married. You don't have to eat, right? You're married, who cares? It's all about fall in love, get married, and then my spouse is there to make my life happy. And that's where some of the conflict comes in. So this morning I wanna talk about how to handle conflict and how to argue without causing damage to the relationship because we're going to have conflict. Two very different people think in different ways, Come together, there's going to be conflict. Remember that we are created on purpose by God. We're created to be different. Men and women are different. They each have strengths and men have weaknesses that we're created differently. I'm not going there. And so that's, that's just part of how it works. And so there's going to be conflict. So how do you navigate the conflict that we know is going to be there without damaging the relationship? I think it's important to set a soft, tone, a soft tone, ah, but my emotions are too high, there's been too much, too many things have happened, I'm just, I'm angry all the time, no, 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 you can control that, you can when you want to, you're in a huge argument, you're yelling, you're you're saying everything you can think of, You're, you're jabbing with your words, you're livid, your veins are popping out and your phone rings, hello, how are you? Yeah, Coffee Tuesday would be great. Let's do it. Bye. And you hang up that phone and you turn back into Satan incarnate. You go right back into it. You know how to control this. You do it when you want to. We just often don't do it in our marriages. Because ultimately we take our spouses for granted. And also we feel like God lied to us and they lied to us because I married you because you were supposed to make me happy and you're not making me happy. And that is far too much pressure to put on any human being. Your spouse does not exist, live, and breathe just to make you happy. In fact, the happiness gauge, and whether it moves up or down, is found on the inside of you, not outside of you. So you've got to begin to set a soft tone, like you would do with a stranger or an acquaintance. You've got to bring kindness into the relationship. You know what's amazing to me? You can take someone who looks like they have it all together, good looking, great job, a lot of money, great house, great position, whatever, they've got it all together. And if they're not kind, they're not appealing. But you can take somebody who has very little and a lot of struggles in life, and if they're kind, people are drawn to them. Being unkind is not an excuse, and you can't just say, well, that's how God made me. No, no. No, 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 no. If you know Jesus, you have the same spirit of God living in you that raised him from the dead. Being unkind is just an excuse for your laziness to continue to be mean to the people you say you love. You can be kind. You have the ability. In fact, 1 Corinthians, it's called the love chapter. Chapter 13 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal unkind people harsh people make a lot of noise it's just meaningless and, and that's what perpetuates often the conflicts in marriage because in marriage a husband and a wife become more negative with each other than they would ever become with anybody else and and what you end up with is two people making a lot of noise That's not affecting any positive change. So how do we do this? If it's possible and we have inside us everything we need to pull this off, how do we actually do it? How do do we set a soft tone in our marriages? Uh, There's several ways. The first one is when there's a disagreement, argument, when you're having a conflict, when you're discussing that, say I instead of you. I instead of you. So, for example, you don't say things like, You bought another pair of shoes? We have enough shoes for Texas and half of Louisiana in the closet. And you bought another pair, and I know you said they were 50% off, so you think you got that second pair for free, but you still save money. And if it's 75% off, somehow you think you're making money. Has that ever worked? Or, or, or ma'am, when he comes through the door and you say, you bought more fishing equipment, you're an absolute idiot. You don't even have a boat yet. (laughs) You statements don't work. When you lead with you, very little gets through. You change that. Soft tone. She comes in with all those shoes, or maybe he, depends on if you're a guy and you like shoes, comes in and has spent all that money. Rather than attacking a soft tone is, hey, um, I've been thinking, and by the way, don't, don't say this right when they come in and they're still carrying the bags, it won't work. Y- y- timing is important. Timing is everything. Maybe the next day, a couple days later is when you bring this up. Hey, I've been thinking, you know, maybe it's just me, but I really feel the need to, to try to save more. Is that something? I'd love to sit down and talk about it. I have some thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love for us to try to be able to save a little bit more. Could we talk about that? That creates a very different atmosphere. So say I instead of you. Another way to set a soft tone, be clear. Be crystal clear. Marriage is not a hide-and-seek relationship. Well, unless you're into that late at night. But but overall, marriage is not. See three kids. That's where children should be. Next week, I'm just going to tell you, next week we're talking about sex and intimacy. If you bring your kids in the room, what they ask you at lunch, I am not responsible for. Because they will be asking you some things at lunch next week. So make sure they're there. But but be crystal clear. You help the other person when you share exactly how you're feeling. I'm feeling this. I'm thinking that. If they're having to try to figure that out, that's maddening and it adds to the conflict. Another way to set a soft tone. Don't let things build up. Don't let things build up. There's a difference in build up and covering up. Because the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, and that word can also be translated offenses. And the Bible says as Christ followers, we're supposed to let love cover a multitude of offenses. So there's some things in your marriage, you just need to get over it. I'm not talking about big stuff. I'm talking about little things that you've allowed to annoy you. If you can let love cover it and let it go, do that. Nobody wants to have a conversation every day about everything they're doing wrong. And when everything is wrong and you have a critical word or criticism for everything, then the other person hears nothing. Because they're able to discount it as, that's just you. They consider the source. But if you're trying to let love cover something, if you're trying to let love cover it and you've prayed, you've talked to Jesus, Jesus, please help me. I don't want to kill him. I'm trying my best. This is bothering me. Please help me. And it's still there and it's still bothering you, then you need to have a conversation. If you're just letting it build up, you're not trying to cover up, you're just letting it build up and you're trying, thinking, okay, I'm not gonna say anything, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not... When you let it build up like that, eventually you're going to explode. So be willing to have the conversation. It's just the approach in the conversation and how you have it. But because you can win an argument and lose your marriage. You get to decide do you wanna be right or do you wanna be wise? I think there is there is incredible power in pursuing wisdom. We've got to get right or wrong out of our head. Is this the right thing to do? Should I say this? Is this right? No, no, no. Because when we think in terms of right or wrong, what we do is we see how close we can get to the edge and still be right and not fall off into wrong. When we think in terms of what's wise, what's wise is to not even get close to that edge. So in my marriage, in the conversations and how I approach them and the words that I use, I'm not worried about right or wrong. I want to be wise. Don't let things build up. The fourth one, how to set a soft tone. Before you start the engine, know where the brakes are. Before you start the engine, know where the brakes are. I was, I was 10 years old. And my parents were out somewhere. We were home. I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. We were home. And I decided, 10 years old, I decided mom and dad are gone. I'm going to take dad's car out. So I went out and I got in his car and I backed it out of the driveway, and our street and the streets at the end and the streets behind made a made a large oval. It was about a mile around, and I thought I want to see how fast I can get around this this block. Ten years old, and and by the way, this was back in the good old days where you didn't have to wear seatbelts. Nobody cared, And, and so I wasn't worried about that. And I was I was driving around, and as I came back onto our street. I noticed at the far end, the other end, I saw my parents' other vehicle turn and start coming down the road. I drove as fast as I could, and I turned in the driveway. Fortunately, I'd left the garage doors up, and I flew into that garage, but I, I, I didn't think about the brakes. And I, do, I destroyed a deep freeze right there in the garage. Now, you know what's amazing? Sometimes we think we know everything about marriage. We think, man, I got this. I know my marriage. I know what I'm doing. She's wrong. He's wrong. We've got it all down. No, 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 There are always some things you don't know, and those are the things that can get you because I knew how to turn the radio on. I had some tombs jamming at 10 years old going around the block, windows down. I knew how to turn the radio on, but that didn't matter because I didn't know how to and think about applying the brakes, and I paid for it. Before you start the engine, before you get into the conversation, when you know it's going to be a difficult topic, something that you've argued about perhaps before, you know it's a tense area, you know it brings up a lot of emotions for both of you. Before you start the engine, know where the brakes are. What are the brakes in conflict? What are the brakes in that conversation where it's tense? As the conversation is ramping up, and you might fly into the garage and hit the deep freeze. Here are the breaks. Hey, I, I'm I'm starting to get more upset than I, I think maybe would be helpful. I just I need to pause for a second. Um, if, if if we can bring the tone down, I feel like I know I'm yelling, and and maybe you don't mean to. It feels like you're yelling, and I just now you you might be thinking, man, really, you gotta you you really have to do it like that and try to be that kind. Well, how is how you've been doing it working for you? And didn't you promise to love this person for better or worse? And, sir, didn't you promise to love her like Christ loves the church, which is to serve her, and so much so that he gave himself for the church? He died on a cross, and you can't be kind in a conversation when you're upset. It's called repair attempts make and receive repair attempts. That's how you know where the brakes are. You need to be able to make repair attempts and receive repair attempts. Repair attempts are to repair the conversation, to repair the emotional atmosphere of the room, to repair what's about to happen before it gets there. Repair attempts. And if you're the other person in the marriage and your spouse says to you, Hey, I'm starting to get upset. I just, can we bring the tone down a little bit? I feel like we're... Please let them Understand that what they're doing in that moment, they're they're telling you, expressing to you, I'm about to lose it, and I I need us to just kind of calm down a little bit. If we go much further, I'm launching the mother missile. I mean, I'm going all in, and I'm going to try to destroy you verbally. I, I need us to calm down, because there are arguments that you've won that damaged your relationship. Do you want to win an argument or do you want to have a winning marriage? You get to decide. So you need to be willing to make and receive repair attempts. Ecclesiastes says this there is a time for other things, for for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to be silent and a time to speak. I, I feel like we have the time to speak down. We've got that. A time to be silent. Do you know what the word silent means in the Greek? The word silent means shut the fat up. Not in the Greek, but that's what it means. There's a time, you just need to shut it. For some of you, one of the most helpful things you could do in your marriage is shut up. Just stop. Stop saying that thing you always say. Stop arguing. Just, just stop it. Have the self-control and the strength in and of yourself that you have when the phone rings. Hello? When you're in the middle of a fight, stop it. Be quiet, and you'll be amazing how much that can help. The Bible also says in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs has been called the the book of wisdom. This is so powerful to me and so convicting. Many of you know that years ago, Angie and I separated. We were filing for divorce. Our marriage was over. We were separated for a few months. God restored our marriage and did something incredible in our lives. But one of the reasons our marriage almost ended, one of the primary reasons is, I didn't know how to shut up and I knew how to be very, very unkind. I knew how to be extremely harsh. I am a communicator. I, I I know how to use words to slice and dice. And the person that I promised to love forever, no matter what, my words did a lot of what this next verse talks about. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. Are the words you speak killing your marriage? Are the words that you speak killing your emotional intimacy? Or are the words that you speak giving life to your marriage? You know that old couple that you see walking down the sidewalk or in the restaurant? Old couples that are deeply in love with each other. They're old as dirt. They were on the ark with Noah. Everything they have is wrinkled, but they love each other. I mean, you can see it in their eyes the way he looks at her, the way she looks at him, the way they talk to each other, the care that they have for each other. They did not get there because life was easy, they did not get there because they never had an argument. They did not get there because everything went their way and they never struggled and never walked through pain. They got there because in that, more often than not, the words they chose to speak to each other in the moments that are so painful and so difficult, in the moments when life is turned upside down, what you say can kill or give life. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Now, you may be here this morning, and you may be like me. And this was a struggle for you. It was a struggle for me for a long time. God got my attention in this area. I'm I'm still a work in progress. But you may be sitting in a place in life where you feel like your words have killed the relationship. Maybe with your spouse, maybe with one of your kids, maybe with a friend that you've had for a long time. Hey, can I help you just for a second? Even God knows that you can't go back in time. Even God knows that. And you're here this morning, perhaps hearing something that he wanted you to hear, because I don't believe God is interested in beating you up about your past. I think God is interested in helping you live the future He created you to live. And with the power of God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And God can change that area of your life. I'm still on the journey, but I'm living proof of it. How do you set a soft tone? Number five, help yourself so you can help your spouse. Help yourself. So you can help your spouse. So if you've tried the repair attempts and the conversation escalates again and we're we're almost yelling. I know none of you yell, but we've read about people that do. We're almost yelling and it's getting there again and the repair attempts didn't work. Hey, I'm sorry. I can't talk about this anymore. I've got to take a break and leave the room. Did you know it's been studied and research shows that when you're in an intense argument with your spouse with a child, with a parent, with a sibling, when you're in an intense argument, it feels emotionally the exact same way it would feel if you walked up on a grizzly bear in the woods. Your emotions don't know the difference and you go into this mode inside of you. And when you get that worked up, research shows it takes 20 minutes to calm back down. 20 minutes. So when you're in that moment, if she says, hey, I need to take a break, I'm getting too worked up. We just need to pause this. I need to take a break, sir. Don't say to her, "You just need to calm down." Don't don't say that. That will work as well as baptizing a cat works. You don't want to say that. You need to let her have the 20 minutes. Don't go chasing her. Just you. And if you if you say that, you need to not only leave the room. You need to leave the conversation in your mind as well. Don't, don't leave the room if you think, when we talk in 20 minutes, I'm going to tell him. I, no, no, you, you, you've got to leave the room and you've got to leave the conversation in your mind. Otherwise, you don't calm down. It gives you the best shot at having a healthy conversation a little bit later and not damaging the relationship. When you take the break, take 20 minutes, go, go take a run, go lift weights, whatever, go read a book. But when you're reading the book, if it's a book about marriage, don't think, see, he should be doing that and she should be doing it. Don't, don't do that stuff. Take your mind somewhere other than the conflict and give it the 20 minutes. And if you say, hey, I, I need a break. I'm getting too worked. I, just, I, need, I need a break. We can talk about this later. And you start to leave. And your spouse says that one more thing, don't pivot. <laughs> don't, oh no. And like, don't, don't jump back in the ring. You've said what you're saying. Be the mature one because apparently they're not and take a break and leave the room. See, we live life in patterns. When you wake up in the morning, usually the first three or four minutes, you do the same thing every day. You, you have a pretty similar routine in the evening, typically before you go to bed. We live life in patterns. Some of you have just developed a bad habit and a pattern that you've gotten stuck in a rut, and this is how you do the relationship now. You need to take a break from what you're used to so you can create what you hope for. So in those conversations, take the break. I'm not talking about take a break from the marriage. No, no, no. I don't I don't, I don't find that. I haven't found that verse anywhere yet. I'm talking about taking a break from the conversation. Develop a new habit. Develop a new pattern. Take a break from what you're used to so you can create What you hope for. Proverbs 12 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So maybe one of the things we pray each day, too, is, God, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to navigating for me, my relationship with Angie, my bride, please give me wisdom. We're imperfect. We're both broken. All of us as human beings are. But please give me wisdom because I want to speak words that are healing, Because in marriage, we all bring baggage into the relationship. We all bring our past into it. And sir, you're the husband, ma'am, you're the wife. You are the one person on planet earth, the one person that can love your spouse in the most healing way from the baggage they brought into the relationship. So set a soft tone. Say, I, instead of you, be clear. Don't let things build up. Before you start the engine, know where the brakes are. Help yourself so you can help your spouse. It's a big deal because scripture also says in Romans, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I love the fact that the scriptures, even God says, if it is possible, because you and I know a couple folks, it ain't possible. We just know that. But a lot of times we think it's not possible when it is. And it's interesting, too, the verse says, as far as it depends on you. One of the greatest mistakes you and I can make in life is when we think about stuff like this, to think about how our spouse should change. You've missed the entire thing, if that's your thought process, and and you could have done anything this morning, it would have been a better use of your time than being here, unless you're willing to think about these things and apply them to your own life. It doesn't matter what the other person does. You're on a journey. You're trying to become the person God created you to become. So this is applying to you. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How do you live at peace? Very quickly, I want to give you a couple of things that I think you can do. And right now I want to talk to everybody except moms. So I want to talk, really, yeah, everybody except moms and wives. Moms and wives, y'all don't have to listen. It's Mother's Day. You can jump on your phone and do that Pinterest thing you do or whatever that I don't understand. You can do all of that. Whatever you want to do, crush the candy, however you roll. But but for just a few moments, I want to talk to husbands and I want to talk to kids about one of the things, one of the gifts you can give mom or your wife for Mother's Day and on this special day. If she doesn't have kids, she's, she's still a precious lady. So, guys, let's chat for a minute. One of the things you can do to make sure you live at peace in your home, don't say everything you think. How's this dress look? Pretty good, but what it does to your hips there, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> don't say everything you think. The thoughts you have when she says that thing that makes you mad that you could say and you know, it would just obliterate her. It, it might, but what you're doing is you're crushing The heart of your spouse to powder. And how does a crushed heart love you? Don't say everything you think. The second thing, the way to live at peace is say what is powerful. Do you know how many thoughts, positive thoughts we have throughout the day about our wives or about our moms that we just think but never say? What value is that? Sir, students, she can't feel your heart she can't hear your heart she hears your words so if you think something that's powerful and helpful something positive about her shoot the text make the phone call when you think it if it's powerful and positive say it because remember words give life third become a world-class listener if you want to live at peace with everyone, become a world-class listener. That means when she sits down and tries to talk to you about the last three uh, recipes or the conflict at work and how she's dealing with a couple of people and, or, or other stuff she's processing, or do you think I should get a dress for this? Or, do you think pants? What do you, what do you think? When she starts talking about that stuff that you sort of zone out and you're not looking at her, you're looking just past her to the Cowboys game on TV. When you're doing that, no, 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 you lock eyes, you become a world-class listener. This one, this one, this one is how when you were walking in the mall and you saw that couple and you said, how in the heck did he get her? This one, this is how he knows how to listen to her. He's mud ugly. She's a beauty queen, but he has ears and he uses them. Become a world-class student. You want to marry somebody hot to trot? Become a world-class listener. I'm just telling you, that and be kind, you've got the world. Now, the next two, the next two, I want to talk to just the husbands. So, kids, don't listen. Just the husbands. Ladies, don't listen. Men, if you want to live at peace with your wife, size matters. Don't think that in church. I did too, but I'm not talking about that. Here's what happens when we live in conflict and we begin to recognize the relationship is in trouble. We, we think, oh my gosh, I've got to do something. If we want to make the marriage work, I've got to do something. So we plan the cruise or the big vacation. We, we get a second job to maybe buy her that car. We, we try to go big because we're trying to rescue the damage that's been done that we've done over all these years. We have that light bulb moment. Oh my gosh. And so i got to do something. I've never seen one big gift or one big thing turn a marriage around. It's the little things that make a big difference. It's how you treat her on Monday when you get home and you're tired. It's what you do about everything that's piled up in the kitchen and the trash bags that are waiting to be taken out. It's how when you're in bed and she comes in the room and you're already in bed and she has that way of leaving the light on and getting in the bed, it's that... Instead of saying, hey, you left the light on, you get up and go turn it off. If you're in the family room and she's like, man, this house, this house is freezing. I mean, th- th- this house is, yeah, it- it's freezing. Can you turn the temperature up? And you're thinking, dear God, I'm sweating buckshot. But, but she wants the temperature, up. that's fine, turn it up. Sit in the family room naked if you have to. Turn the, you never know, something great may happen when you turn the temperature up and she's happy with you. But, but listen, think about her. It's the little things that you do that will show her your constant love throughout the day, your constant, consistent love. She doesn't want to be blown away once or twice every five years. Anybody could do that. She wants to be loved when she's not being very lovely sometimes. She wants to be loved when she's had a tough day and doesn't have it all together. She wants to be loved and cherished. Because you're just crazy about her. And and then the last one, husbands, touch her. Touch her. And, And not just like that. Women on, now listen, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, overall, women like affection. Hold her hand now. For some of us as guys, that's hard. We grew up and didn't see this model in our parents, and guys sometimes have a hard time showing affection, especially in public. Now we don't want too much affection, but like during the mu- music and the worship service and songs, don't don't get your thing on right here in the room. Like we, nobody wants to see that. We had a couple years ago that sat right over here, and during the music, it was they would clear out this section. Nobody would sit over there by them because of how they danced together during the worship. You worshiping Jesus or her? Because I'm not sure what you're doing right now. But it it was annoying. Nobody wants to see that stuff. But but apart from that, when you're walking on the sidewalk, hold her hand. When you're sitting there, rub her back. Show affection. If you don't, if the only time you touch her is when you want to touch her, she will feel used and not loved. Do you want a toy you can abuse, or a wife you can cherish? Do you want her to feel special? Or is your entire existence just about you and how she makes you feel? So set a soft tone and live at peace. As much as it depends on you, you can't control what they do, but as much as it depends on you, live at peace. And parents, when you do this, you will model something for your kids that most kids never see. And it's never too late to start. Never. Because my kids, my kids in our home saw what an idiot I was for years. They heard what I would say to their mom, how I would talk to her. They saw how harsh I could be. But hopefully, they've also seen the transformation that God's done in my life and is still doing. I'm still a work in progress, so don't feel like you've blown it too much or it's gone too far. Today is a brand new day. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for relationships. Thank you for marriage. And God, I pray that as we walk through this week, we would set a soft tone in our marriages. We would set a soft tone in our conversations with with parents and parents with children and siblings and friends and coworkers and that we would purpose to live at peace as much as it is up to us when it's possible with heads bowed and eyes closed maybe you're here this morning and this morning you know the greatest need in your life is that you need to give your life to Christ it's the step you need to take because what we're talking about you can't really do if you don't know God in a personal way and have his help and so this morning if you'd like to commit your life to Christ i want to pray a very simple prayer You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says God hears even our thoughts. But if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive my sin and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.